Welcome to Epic, everyone. Glad that you're here with us today. If you're new with us, my name is Trent, and I'm one of the pastors here at Epic, and I'm going to be guiding us on a new series that we're going to start today. But before we do that, I would like to say a congratulations to President Obama on his reelection last week. So not sure if you knew that, but uh, we had a big election. It was a big thing that happened this past Tuesday, and I know many people were up late at night watching, you know, praying for their candidate to be voted in. So whether you voted for President Obama or not, I hope that all of us will be reminded of what we studied last week in Daniel. Daniel chapter 5, the latter part of verse 21 says, the most high God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. So whether you are excited that President Obama was elected or you're really sad, our focus always needs to be on the most high God. It's only him who can help us as a nation and a world tackle the many issues that we face today. One of the things the Bible tells us to do, God speaks through the Bible and he says, I want you to pray for your leaders. So as we start today, I just ask all of us, let's just pray together for our president. So let's pray. God, I thank you for the country that we live in and the opportunity that we have to vote or something that many people around the world don't get to experience. Lord, whether our candidate was the one that got in or not, we always need to keep our focus, our attention on you, the most high God who rules over all kingdoms of this world. And God, it's you and you alone who appoint who you want to rule. So Lord, you tell us in scripture that we should pray for our leaders. And so Lord, we pray for President Obama, Lord, that he would wake up every day trusting in you, that he would turn to you for guidance in how to lead this nation. He would turn to you for guidance in how to face some of the issues that we face as a nation and as a world. We pray that he would acknowledge you as the most high God who rules over everything. Guide him in his presidency we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we are starting a new series called Counterfeit Gods. And as we begin, if you would, grab a Bible and turn over to Exodus chapter 20. If you need a Bible, at the back of each seating section, there are paperback Bibles that are our free gift to you. So feel free to to get up now if you want to and run back and grab a Bible Again, turn over to Exodus chapter 20 in our paperback Bibles. It's found on page 59. If you have a Bible app on your smartphone, feel free to bring that up during the service. Now, this morning, I need to take you on a journey way back in time in order to set up today's message as well as to set up the series that we're going to be in at this time. Uh, We're actually going to go back 3,500 years ago, so a long time ago. 
about 1,500 years before Jesus came to planet Earth. That's a time frame that we're going to be looking at as we set up this message in this series. Now, at that time in history, 3,500 years ago, one of the most powerful nations in the Middle East was the nation of Egypt. It was a nation that had a vast kingdom, a vast empire, and we know them as the the group that built the pyramids. So they had this huge empire, and to accomplish some of the tasks that they accomplished, like building the pyramids and expanding their kingdom, they needed a huge slave uh, labor force. They needed lots of slaves to help them accomplish this, and they had lots of slaves. A group of people that was a part of their slave labor was the Israelites. The Israelites had been in slavery at that time to the nation of Egypt for 400 years. It's kind of hard for us to kind of grasp that as a, a people group, but for 400 years, they had lived as slaves. And they, they had no concept of what it was like to not be slaves. They weren't even sure. They couldn't even remember back to a time where they weren't slaves. So all they knew was slave life. And as slaves, they were treated very poorly by their Egyptian captors. They were given these work demands that were impossible for them to live up to. They just could not live up to the expectations that were put on them on a daily basis. And when they didn't, they were beaten, they were whipped. And some of them were killed. And in the midst of that context, the nation of Israel, as a group of people, cried out to God for help. They said, God, would you please help us? And God responded. He actually sent two people to come and rescue them from 400 years of slavery. Sent a guy by the name of Moses and sent his brother Aaron with him. So Moses and Aaron, they show up at the nation of uh, Israel. They show up in Egypt and they go to the leaders of the, the nation of Israel and they say, God has heard your cries for help and he has sent us. And the leaders of Egypt said, we beg God to save us, to rescue us from this cruel situation that we're in. And he sent you like, you're like two guys. Like, you got anybody with you? There's no army, no military power, nothing else that Moses and Aaron bring except Moses, like, carried around this stick. They're like, great, you got a stick. Like, what are we going to do with this stick? How are, are, you, are you going to free us from the most powerful leader in the world at this time, the Egyptians? How is this going to happen? Well, through... Some miraculous events, God used Moses to set the Israelites free. Some really amazing things happen in the context of that time frame for God to use Moses to set this nation free from slavery. Through God's intervention, not only did Pharaoh let the Israelites leave, but all of Egypt begged them to leave. All of Egypt wanted the Israelites to leave so badly they gave them their wealth. So if you can imagine this slave uh, population leaving this very wealthy nation with all of their wealth, walking out, didn't have to fight a battle for it, they got it for free. And the Egyptian said, here, like, you want my watch? You want my ring? What else? What else can I give you? Just leave. 
get out. So some amazing events happened for that to, to occur. So Moses and Aaron and about 2 million Israelites leave 400 years of slavery with the wealth of Egypt. You can actually read about that in Exodus chapter 1 through verse 14. I encourage you to do so. Well, then God told Moses, said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the nation of Israel and I want you to lead them what is called the promised land. I've got some land set aside just for them. It's some special land that I want to give them and I want you to lead them there. It was land described in the Bible as flowing with milk and honey, land of great prosperity and great wealth. So again, if we were one of the Israelites living in slavery, thinking about, hey, there's this God who just freed us and he wants to take us to a place that's got great wealth and prosperity and it's for us, you'd be pretty excited. Be like, hey, let's go. We want to take off in that direction. And God actually led the way to the promised land. During the day, he displayed himself as a cloud and at night, He displayed himself as a pillar of fire. So wherever this cloud would go or wherever this pillar of fire would go, the nation of Israel would follow. And on their way to the promised land, God said to the Israelites, I will be your God and you will be my people. You're my specially chosen group. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to teach you the best ways to live in a relationship with me. I'm going to show you how to do that. I'm going to show you how to be my specially chosen people. So in Exodus chapter 19, God called Moses up to the top of a mountain called Mount Sinai. And on this mountain, God taught Moses the best way for the Israelites to live in this new relationship with him. Listen to how Exodus chapter 19 describes that encounter that God and Moses had on Mount Sinai. Starting in verse 16, it said, On the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn and all the people trembled. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast from the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, so Moses climbed the mountain. The Bible says the Israelites, as they're watching this, Moses goes up, has a conversation with God. Every time God speaks, it's this thundering voice that they hear, and they're freaked out by this. I mean, just like terrified. And I think if we were there watching, I think we'd all be freaked out too. It's like, wow, this is the weirdest thing ever. And they were so afraid they stayed far away from the mountain. Didn't want to be around that as that was all going on. It really freaked them out. I think we would probably do the same thing. We'd shy away from this all-powerful God. So God and Moses are up on Mount Sinai. They're having a conversation. God's teaching Moses, this is how I want the Israelites to live in a relationship with me. So God taught Moses about how the Israelites should worship him, how to treat people fairly, how to take care of their property, about social responsibility, how to bring justice to people who need it, and about celebrations that God wanted the nation of Israel to 
practice on a regular basis. Then in Exodus chapter 20, God gave Moses what is called the Ten Commandments. I'm sure you've heard that term before. Something that uh, we all have heard of, but maybe we, we can't list them all. But God's first commandment and this new relationship that he wanted to have with the nation of Israel is found in verse 3. In Exodus 20, verse 3, God said, You must not have any other God but me. And he continued on in verse 4. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Now, got a question for you. When you hear the word idol, what comes to your mind? And this is a, an opportunity for us to participate out loud. So when I say idol, you say? American. Yeah, American idol. Yeah. Yeah, so like we've taken this term and we've turned it into like a really cool thing. Uh, wouldn't you like to be on American Idol? Wouldn't that be fantastic? You know, God gave some people the ability to sing and not me. So I didn't get it, but I wish I had it because I would, you know, see if I could make a go at it. But in Bible days, an idol wasn't that. So it wasn't like, you know, Israeli idol or, you know, whatever. An idol was a little statue that represented a God that people would worship. And the promised land where God was leading the Israelites was full of other nations that would worship other gods. There was a God that they worshiped called Baal. He was kind of the God of all other gods. If you think in Greek mythology, kind of Zeus, it'd be kind of in that context. Then there was a goddess called Ashtoreth. She was the goddess of fertility. Then there was a god called Molech. He was the god of death in the underworld. The nations who worshipped these gods would do some crazy things to demonstrate their allegiance to these gods. They would perform animal sacrifices, which was not uncommon. It was something that the nation of Israel did to demonstrate their love for God. They would took that a step further, and they would perform human sacrifices. So they would sacrifice humans, even their children. So I want you to kind of imagine if you have a child or if you've got a niece or a nephew or you, you know a young child, imagine worshiping a God, loving that God so much, wanting to get something from that God, either protection or blessing or something, to the point that you'll take one of your kids, you'll lay them on an altar, and you'll sacrifice them to demonstrate your loyalty to that God. That's like hard for me to imagine. It's hard to imagine getting to that place that you'd be willing to do something like that. So these nations would carve large and small statues or idols that represented their gods and they would bow down and they would worship and do other crazy things to demonstrate their allegiance to those gods. So God told the Israelites, listen here, first rule, rule number one of our relationship is no other gods. You're to have no other gods but me. Don't make any idols. Don't make any statues. Don't bow down and worship anything but me. 
God knew that if the Israelites didn't follow this, that they would be tempted to worship other gods, and those other gods would lead them away from the one true God, and they would end up as a nation doing things that God never wanted to happen, like human sacrifice. Now, let me just pause for a minute. Is everybody still with me? Are we still tracking? Like, I know there's a lot of history going on. If somebody's next to you has fallen asleep because I've bored them, don't wake them up, okay? We'll do that later in the worship. We'll, we'll get it lively again. All right, now this whole time that God spoke to Moses up on Mount Sinai, God never revealed his physical form to the Israelites. So they could hear his booming voice. They saw the lightning. They, saw the, they heard the thunder. They saw the clouds. They saw the smoke. But they could never see his form. Moses actually tells us why God did that in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 15. Moses says to the nation of Israel, be very careful. You did not see the Lord's form on the day that he spoke to you from the heart of the fire at Mount Sinai. So do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form, whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground, or a fish in the deepest See, so God didn't reveal his physical form because he didn't want us making an idol out of that. God knew we would do that. God knew if we saw his form, here's what we would do. We would make a little statue. We would sell up, um, we would set up places where we could sell those statues. And then we would set up little statues in our home and we would bow down to worship those little statues. And we would forget about worshiping the most high God. So God says, listen, I'm not going to even show you my form because here's what you'll do. You'll make a statue out of it and you'll bow down and worship that little statue. So God said, no idols, no idols of humans, no idols of anything in the sky, no idols of animals, no idols, period. Just serve me. I'll take care of you. I'll love you. Just serve me and me alone. So God and Moses were up on Mount Sinai and in Exodus 32, verse 1, It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, this is Moses' brother. They said, come on, get what they're about to say. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. And Moses was up on Mount Sinai for 40 days. So after watching God free them from 400 years of slavery, after walking out of Egypt with the wealth of Egypt and not having to fight for it, on their journey out towards the promised land, they get to a large body of water and they can't cross. And so God parts the water so they can walk across on dry ground. After following God as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, they forget about God in 40 days. 40 days, they're like, like, we don't even know what happened to that guy named Moses. We're not even sure about this God who wants us to follow him. Now, I don't know what happens in your world, but in my world, sometimes I forget about God in like 40 minutes. You know, God does something really cool in my life and 40 minutes later, I'm going, like, where you been? You know, you been out to lunch? You know, did you go get coffee? And why aren't you doing something even better in my life? Why aren't you just showing up and really, you know, doing something really cool? Like, God, where have you been? 
I've got a time schedule. I've got things that I want to accomplish in life, things that I would like you to do for me. So 40 days, and the Israelites, they're lost. They've forgotten about God. So they come to Aaron. They say, Aaron, make us some gods who, who can lead us. And Aaron replied in verse two, take the gold rings from the, your, the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. The Israelites did all this to worship a cow, like a golden cow. I don't know about you, but I read stories like that in the Bible, and I'm like, what is wrong with the Israelites? You know, like, what happened? You know, 400 years of slavery, like, they got a short memory. They can't remember this great God who's done all this really cool stuff. What in the world? They're in a relationship with the God of the universe, the God who's specially chosen them. Out of all the nations in the world, God goes, I pick you. Like, the, the least nation, the slave nation. Who'd pick the slave nation? But God picked them. And they turned around and walked away from God to worship a cow. And I think we would never do that, would we? So I didn't mean to step on anybody's toes, <laughs> especially during football season. And this, this message isn't an uh, anti-professional sports message. God isn't an anti-sports God. He's actually a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Didn't know if you knew that or not. He actually has a terrible towel. He swings it around every once in a while, and that's where hurricanes come from. So just in case a kid ever comes along and says, where did hurricanes come from? You have an answer. Okay, the reality is that we all worship idols of some sort. We all do. We worship idols like athletics or exercise or food or work or success, or prestige, or power, stuff, homes, cars, clothes, people, relationships, drugs that are legal and drugs that are illegal, anything can become a little idol that we worship, that we bow down and worship. If it takes God's place, if it pushes God out of his rightful place in our lives, it is an idol. And God says, listen, I don't want you to have any idols. I don't want you to serve any other God but me. And we do some really weird things to worship these counterfeit gods. Some couples sacrifice their marriage on an altar to worshiping their kids. So they bow down to their kids. And they wonder why their marriage is falling apart. Some people sacrifice their relationship with God on the altar of success saying, God, I'm just way too busy accomplishing my goals. I'm too busy to serve you. I'm too busy to do the things that you want me to do. I'm accomplishing this thing. And they sacrifice their relationship with God. 
Other people push God out of his rightful place to worship a person. As long as they're in a relationship, they're happy and content, but they get out of a relationship and they don't know what to do, a little bit worried, they don't have any value. I don't have any value unless I'm in a right relationship with somebody else. And so they go and grab whoever will be in a relationship with them because they're bowing down to worship a relationship as opposed to worshiping God himself. Even in Jesus' day, there were very religious people that would turn their religion into an idol. They would try to out-worship each other. You know, like, no, this is the right way to worship God. I'm doing it the right way. You're doing it the wrong way. Look how great I am. They turned even that into a little idol that they would try to worship. And I think idols can be put into one of five categories, something that I call the five Ps, power, prestige, possession, people, and pleasure. Every day, people bow down and worship a counterfeit God that can fit into one of those categories. People sacrifice their lives for these gods. People push God out of his rightful place and try to convince themselves, you know what, I can serve God and this thing at the same time. And it just really isn't so. It can't happen. In Ezekiel 14.3, it says that some people have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that make them fall into sin. We all do that. We all have little idols hidden in our hearts, things that motivate us to go out and do whatever we do. We go pursue whatever we're pursuing. We're asking this God to bless us or give us something, and we bow down to worship this little idol that's in our hearts. In my own life, I've worshiped all the peas, all five of them. I've worshiped power. I've worshiped prestige. I've worshiped possessions and I've worshiped people, relationships that I was in. I have worshiped pleasure. As a young adult, I defined success as someone who had a lot of little letters after their name. So what I did to worship that God was I set out on a goal to uh, get my master's degree, get my doctorate degree, get a career that I thought would bring me a lot of wealth. So that was kind of the track that I was on. I would have never acknowledged that. I mean, if we would have had a conversation and said, hey, are you worshiping a false god? I would have said no. I would have acknowledged that that was kind of the path that I was on. I don't even know if I would have really known that myself in that moment. One of the reasons I've never wanted to be a pastor because I knew that there was no money in it. I grew up kind of around church world, and I watched pastors suffer and struggle. I watched them work two or three jobs just to make ends meet. And I looked at that and thought, not for me. That's not what I want to do. That's not a God I want to serve. And so I went down a different path. In my life, I've worshipped what people think of me. And I've done some weird things for people to think better of me than probably what was reality in my life. Years ago, I worked out in a gym all the time because I wanted to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> this is actually a picture of me in high school. Just saying. Um, so yeah, you can take it down. I don't want anybody being distracted. So when I was in high school and college, I worked out as much as I possibly could, and you, obviously you can't tell nowadays. 
But so I worked out a lot because I, I like that was kind of one of the idols I was serving. Like, man, I wanted to be known as the tough guy. And what I would do, this is gonna sound strange, but what I would do in a gym, I would get off a weight machine and I would move the weight up. So the next person coming on the machine, they would think, wow. Guy's little, but wow, God packed a lot in that little package. So I wanted people to think that I was stronger than I was. I know it's really sad, but I've done a lot of really shallow things in my life to make people think stuff about me that wasn't true. And we all do that. We all do goofy things in order to worship these little idols. Let's check back in with the Israelites and see how they're doing. So the Israelites are worshiping this golden cow. Moses is up on the mountain talking to God. God tells Moses, you better get down there because they're, they're already messing up. So you better go talk to them. Exodus 32, verse 19 says, when they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground at the foot of the mountain. Now, these are the tablets that God had written on. So he's so angry. He takes these tablets. He throws them down. They bust all over the place. He took the calf that they had made, and he burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. Can you imagine how angry Moses was for them to do this? 21. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, what did these people do to you to make you bring such a terrible sin upon them? And listen to how his brother replied. Don't get so upset, my Lord. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. I mean, can you imagine being there, like being Moses? Like, Aaron, come on. Is that the best you got? Really? You took the gold, threw it in the fire, and out came a cow. And they all bowed down to worship it. Come on. You knew I was up on the mountain. You knew I was talking to God. Why didn't you stand before the people and say, don't you remember the God who freed you from 400 years of slavery? You can still hear the thunder. You can still hear his voice thundering from the mountain as he talks with Moses. He's the one true God. He's the one that we should worship. Aaron, why didn't you do that? Why did you allow these people to get you to help them worship? A cow, a false god. The sad reality is that we're all a little bit like Aaron. We all can come up with some really goofy excuses for why we think we should worship some god except the one true God. But God sees through all of our excuses. He says, listen, my first commandment still applies to you today. You're to have no other gods but me. No other gods. So if you are a Christ follower, have you pushed God out of his rightful place? Have you set up a little idol in your heart that you're worshiping? 
could be a really good thing, could be a not so good thing, but if you placed something else where God should be, if so, what is it? Who is it? It's great to name those things. It's great to come to a spot where you go, you know what, I think I'm worshiping this specific God. I think that's what I'm doing. It's what my behavior is all about, why I get up in the morning, what motivates me to go throughout my day is I found myself worshiping this false God. Name it. Name what it is. The reality in our hearts is that there's only room for one God. There can't be two gods. There's only room for one. So in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to explore some of the counterfeit gods that we are tempted into worshiping. And we are going to explore what it can look like for us to replace those gods and put our God back in his rightful place. So I thank you for being here today as we set up this series. Uh, I really think this is going to be a great series to help us focus our attention on the one true God. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for stories in scripture that we have, that you've recorded for us the accounts of many years ago. You've recorded for us to read your thoughts captured in print. And Lord, I just admit, I, I read many stories in the Bible and I think, what is wrong with the Israelites? What happened? Why would they walk away from you? And then God, within the next breath, I have to ask myself the same question. What's wrong with me? Why do I walk away from you? Why am I tempted to worship another God? Something as silly as a golden cow. But we all have little idols that we worship. God, I pray that throughout this series, you'll help us identify maybe some of those idols that we're worshiping. And God, you will help us get those idols out of the way and put you in your rightful place in our lives because we know there can only be one God in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may go ahead and uh, be seated for a moment. We just got a few things for you. Um, If you want to continue to wrestle with this subject and explore it further uh, during this series, we have on our website under the resource tab our spiritual growth challenge. And there uh, you can download a PDF that will continue to help you look up some passages through scripture through the week, some questions to reflect upon, uh, some things to do as well. And so if you want to do that during this series, it would be a great thing to do. And then Trent will be uh, at the gym later this week if you want to do that as well with him. Um, Just kidding. Uh, Another thing that God asks us to do is to give a portion back of our finances. And what we'll be learning is, man, those things, the possessions of our lives, the materialism that we have in our world, it can get a grip on our lives. And it's amazing that God asks us only to give him a portion back because he's given those things to us. But beyond that, it does something amazing. It helps us as a local church to continue to help those who want to connect God uh, to connecting with him. Many of you who've connected with him for the very first time, uh, it helps you to do that. It helps all of us to continue to grow in our relationships with Christ. It helps those kids to have influence in in their lives 
uh, to continue to see what God would have for their lives as well. And then as we uh, launch out into our community and make a difference in our community and also internationally. So God it asks us to give a portion back. If you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can do that. Do the giving boxes at the end of the, each of the rows or online at www.theepicchurch.com as well. Today is a very special day. Um, in a moment, I'm going to ask these very special people to stand up. Today is Veterans Day. So if you are a veteran, if you've served in our armed forces, whether that's the Marines, Army, uh, Coast Guard, uh, Navy, Air Force, any of those, would you stand at this time and let us celebrate you for uh, giving of your time and everything? So yeah, go ahead. Thank you very much. Way to go. Thank you, guys. Cool. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, uh, ladies and guys, for giving of your time and making those sacrifices to serve our country. So thank you so much for that. Uh, also, if you are a new guest or if you've been checking out Epic for a little bit and you'd like to know more information about Epic, uh, you can at the Connection Center. You can ask people uh, who are there any questions that you might have or anything. And then there's some information for you to grab uh, as well if you would like to know more about Epic. And uh, we just want to say thank you so much for being here today. Uh, if you see somebody that you don't know, say hi. Uh, ask them their name. Get to know them a little bit. But thank you so much for being here today and we'll see you next week.